Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 11th, 2023. It is currently 11, 11 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. It's Tuesday. I know on these episodes for the Bible Study Exercise podcast series, I know I have a tendency to stress which day of the week it is. I know I do that frequently. Sometimes I get mad when you can kind of fall into a trap where you're saying the same things over and over. Sometimes it's required because you're teaching, say, law and gospel, and you got to repeat yourself a thousand times, or you're working on whatever the issue is. You keep repeating yourself, repeating yourself. Sometimes that really bothers me, uh, but then I'll get 50 emails going, well, obviously I haven't repeated myself enough. So, so that's always a give and take, but I, I don't want all of my introductions. I know my, my basic introduction introduction is always going to be repetitive because I give you the time stamp, the, I give you the date, the time. And a lot of people ask me why I do that, because whenever anyone listens back, I want them to know exactly the the date that this message occurred so that they kind of have a historical context in which to put it. And I just think it's interesting whenever I listen to, I was listening to a sermon the other night and I was like, wait, what are they? I think they're referencing Watergate. I'm like, when was this preached? Right? I'm like, I need a date. Okay, so so I I that's why I do that. Hopefully, hopefully you find that not too annoying, hopefully. But when it comes to the Bible study exercise, I emphasize the day of the week over and over and over again because remember, each session for our Bible study exercise podcast series last for, well, one week, right? Typically, we introduce that week's study on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon. And we're like, okay, for the next week, we're going to be studying this. Now, the entire unit usually is six or seven weeks. But remember, it's broken down. That unit is broken down into individual sessions. So, for example, this week, we are, I'm going to go back here. This week we are we are technically we're unit two because we we did our work on the Gospel of John, but we're in session one. This is a brand new unit on the subject of temptation, and this is session one. So the unit is that on temptation. It's seven weeks, about six to seven weeks long, and we're in session one. We're in the first week of our study on temptation. Now, I have to emphasize that it's Tuesday because before you know it and before I know it, session one will come to an end. It'll be gone. Boom. That week will be over. And next thing you know, we're going to be, we're going to be starting session two. Then it'll be session three. Then it'll be session four. Then five. Then six. Maybe a session seven. Who knows? And we, before we know it, it's just, it's over. It's here and it's gone. And, and, and I think a lot of times, I'm not even emphasizing it so much for you. I'm emphasizing it so much for me because I'm the one, you know, trying to lead us in the Bible study exercise. I'm the one trying to guide us. I'm the one trying to say, okay, guys, work on this, work on this and work on this. And just as much as the week gets away from you, just as much as you turn around going, wait a minute, I didn't. And then maybe you get a week or two and you're like, never mind. I'm just, I'll wait to the next study because I'm already gotten behind. As much as you struggle with that, I want you to, I struggle with the same thing, right? Because I mean, every day I have to make a choice, right? Okay. I want to do this tonight, or I want to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to spend hours. And, and I'll be like, well, I didn't spend any time working on the Bible study exercise for this week. It happens to all of us because life, uh, I, I, like it, it, it is so, and, and I guess this connects to a lot of things that we've been talking about, but I think that that's just the reality. Like, like, um, well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Well, let me just talk about it right now. Like on one hand, we know 
that as Christians, we are told over and over and over. And I mean, basically your whole Christian life, you're told, look, if you're going to grow as a Christian, if you're going to survive as a Christian, if you're going to be victorious as a Christian, if you're going to have the abundant life, if you're going to have a good, happy Christian life, you need to make sure you are praying. And depending on which book you're reading, you need to be praying an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, an hour at night. You need to be praying and you need to be fasting. You need to be praying and fasting. Oh, oh, oh. And you need to make sure you're part of a fellowship. You need to be part of a body of believers. So you need to be at church every time the doors open. Okay, so I need to be praying hour after hour after hour. I need to be fasting. I need to make sure I'm going to church. And then depending on the church you go to, not only do you need to go to church, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to be a part of a small group because if you're not a part of a small group, you're never going to grow as a Christian and your Christian life is going to be in the shambles. Okay, so I need to pray all the time. I need to fast. I need to go to church. I need to go to small group. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You need also to have fellowship with the believers. So if they have a potluck or if they have a underwater basket weaving get together, you got to make sure you're at that because if you don't do that, you're, you're not going to, you're, your Christianity is going to be in shambles. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You got to engage in Bible reading. You need to be reading through the Bible every single year. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You need to be memorizing scripture. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You need to be doing Bible study. And then you turn around and you're like, how am I supposed to do any of this? How? And then, and then sometimes you'll hear, look, if you don't demonstrate, if you're not doing all of this, you demonstrate that you're not loving God supremely. And if you don't love God supremely, you're possibly not even saved. And at this point, you're just like, well, I give up. I, again, I've talked about this so many times. I don't know how people in the pew process all of that. I know from the pulpit, it's just demand, 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 do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And typically it's presented as if you don't do it, your entire Christian life is going to explode and you're going to burn up. Or it's presented as if you're not doing these things, that's possibly proof that you're not saved. I don't know how the average person in the pew processes all of that. It's a little overwhelming. So, so I come along and like, Hey guys, here's a Bible study exercise. I, I've never wanted it to feel like another demand. I, I don't want it to feel like another demand. I want it to feel like an opportunity, right? That I'm trying to help you actually engage it. Like, like this is not just you listening, but this is you actually being involved. So I wanted, I wanted it to be more viewed as a positive, but I do understand that if you just listen to how Christianity constantly says, do this, do this, do this, do this, it could just feel like another, do another thing. And I don't want it to turn into that. So I don't know exactly how to fix it. I, I know sometimes my, I, I, I can give too many assignments. So I've tried to pull back on it. I don't know. What is, what is, where is the balance in the Christian life? I don't know, because it just seems like it's a never, li- a never ending list of do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's always with, there's almost a threat always behind it. Like you're going to be destroyed spiritually if you don't do this. You're never going to grow. You're going to spend your life in spiritual infancy and you're going to probably, you know, die in sin. And then, and then, or it'll be like, you're not proving you're saved. There's almost a threat always attached to it. I mean, how do I don't know how do you process it? I know I know this is not really the point of this of this Bible study exercise, but I I, I do want to create a way where we can just find people who long to study the Bible, but in a non I don't want it to feel like a a duty. I want it to feel like something that's fun, something that we enjoy doing, right? I mean. I don't know. I, I, I think, I think there's something to that. I, 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 you, you can try to process all of that and tell me what you think. I, I don't want to get too, I've, I've already kind of chased this rabbit a little too far. I'm going to have to let the rabbit go. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want, maybe, maybe it will fit into this subject, but here we are. It's Tuesday. And before we know it, the week is going to be over. And I don't want this week to go by without us getting as much out of this study as possible. If you were with us on Sunday, you know, I introduced this unit of study on temptation, which will be for seven weeks. And I did so at Victory Baptist Church behind the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church. And we, we, we did an entire sermon on temptation, introducing this study, because for the next seven weeks, six weeks, 
we always we always mix it up between six and seven, depending on how I decide I want to move forward, that I really wanted everyone to dig into the subject of temptation. And our text, and remember, there is curriculum, if anyone uh, has access to the curriculum. Um, it, the, the, this week's session is called The Source of Temptation. Okay, and then uh, the text is James 1, 13 through 18. James 1, 13 through 18, all right? So today, what I'm going to do is just going to give you two simple assignments after I just said the church is always telling you what to do. But I'm not giving you these assignments telling you if you don't do them, your Christian life is going to blow up and you're never going to grow. I'm not going to tell you if you don't do these, you're proving you're not saved. But I would love for you to feel like that would be fun to look into and hopefully you will join us in this study. Are you ready? So let's go to James chapter one. James chapter one. And let's start in verse two. Now, I know this was not the text, but we kind of found ourselves really looking at this text. I tried to present it in somewhat of a different way. All right. So we, we kind of started doing two things on Sunday. I don't know if you remember. But if you didn't listen, please go back and listen to part one. I tried to kind of challenge us, and this is going to be your first big assignment, to come up with a our own definition of temptation. Our own definition. Not relying on other books, not relying on Bible study guides, not relying on sermons from the past that we, ourselves, and I threw out lots of ideas. I threw out lots of ideas and I kept, I kept reworking it, rewording it. I kept, and I kept, while well, I was hoping, what I was hoping is that the congregation would be like, no, I think we need to do it. No one really stood, took the initiative to go. I think we should word it this way. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping. I, it'll be interesting on Wednesday because I think I may ask on Wednesday, okay, who came up with a good, well, I, you know what? I won't on hopefully by Wednesday before church, I can ask all of you on, who listen online. If you've come up with a definition based off what I, I kind of gave you some parameters. Now, if you completely disagree with the definition that I was hinting at, please let me know, come up with your own, but I'm trying to, I, I, I want us to take what I was give, given everyone. I was giving everyone and modify it. So one, it's grammatically correct, right? Okay, because mine, I don't, clearly wasn't grammatically correct. So we may have to clean it up, you know, add some things to it. You know, you can even throw in the correct punctuation so that we can read it correctly. But I want you to take what I did in part one and try to shape and clean up our definition. Now, I, I decided to do this because of verse Two, James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, there's a debate among many that, hey, this word temptation in James 1, 3, should we translate that temptation or should we translate that trials? Hey, count it all joy when you face a trial because trial does all of this stuff. And I kind of made an argument that I think we should use the word temptation because I think we should count it all joy whether we find ourselves facing a trial or facing an actual temptation because both the trial and the temptation serves as a test that reveals something to me. Let me try to give you an example. Now, I, I don't want to give away my entire definition, but I still want you to get some of these principles. Here's my, 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 and I'm going to focus on temptation as an enticement to do, to do wrong. Something that is pulling me away to do wrong. All right. So, all right. That, that is trying to, well, I don't want to give too, too much away of the definition. I want you to go back and listen and work on it, but let me give you an example. If I, when this broadcast is over, when this broadcast ends and I walk downstairs out of the studio, right? And I start walking around today. I'm by myself. I start thinking. And all of a sudden I find that I'm being tempted to do something. I'm being tempted to think a certain way, go somewhere, whatever, whatever, whatever the temptation is, whatever you think the temptation is. The moment I experience that temptation, the moment I feel it, the moment I feel that 
desire, that whatever it is, the moment I feel that, that pull to it, I should count it all joy because immediately that has revealed something. That has revealed something deep in me. It shows me, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I really do want that. I, it shows me how corruption is still very much present in me. In other words, see, I want you to understand this. What we have a tendency to do is whatever the temptation is, if I say no to it, right? If I say no to it, then I'm like, dun, dun, da, da. Look at me. I'm the hero of the story. I'm victorious. Now we may give the credit to God. I thank thee, God, that you gave me the power to resist that temptation. But in one, but I think we need to count it all joy because it reveals something. Even if I say no to it, I need to take into great thought and consideration how strong was the desire for it. How much was I pulled to it? Because even if I don't do it, I don't act upon it physically. Why did I, why did I basically commit the sin mentally or internally? Because please note, I don't even have to do something physically to be guilty of sin as far as God is concerned. Now, it's great that I didn't commit the act. But I need to count it all joy because that temptation just handed to me basically like a computer printout, like a like an app sending me a notification. And basically the notification reads, uh, hey, hey, dude. Hey, hey, okay, it doesn't say dude. Hey, guy. Hey, gal. Hey, girl. Hey, boy. Hey, whoever you are. Hey, I don't know if you realize this. You got some serious problems going on inside. Because even though you didn't do it. <laughs> that desire is insanely strong. And then I'm supposed to go, whoa, I count it all joy because see, now I know that. That humbles me. That shows me that I'm not as strong and as godly and, and I can go around condemning everyone else because I'm so good. It makes me go, whoa, 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 whoa. I probably shouldn't be throwing any rocks because I got some problems going on in the inside. So I think there, I think the word temptation there needs, I think it should, I think that the, I think the word temptation itself includes all of that, the trial aspect and the temptation. I count it all joy when I face a trial, knowing that that trial and struggling through that trial is going to do a positive thing. But I, I think a lot of people say count it all joy if I don't fail the test. I count it all joy when I face temptation because of what it reveals. All right. I, I think that's something to consider. Let, let me go back to my opening illustration. Let me go back to my opening illustration. All right. Hey, you need to study the Bible. Hey, you need to go to church. Hey, you need to do all of this stuff. Right. Now, I should count it all joy when I immediately realize, whoa, I don't really want to do all of that stuff. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to memorize scripture. I don't want to do a Bible study. I want to watch that Netflix series. And it's not even about whether the next Netflix series is bad or good. It's just like I've constantly, what are my natural desires? My natural inclination is typically to engage that which is pleasing to the flesh, not that which is beneficial to the spirit. Temptation reveals that reality. I should count it all joy because it makes me realize I'm not as spiritual as I let on to. I'm not, I'm not as spiritual as I want everyone to think that I am. That's, that's, that's more, that's worth a million dollars because it's that constant reminder of what we really are that is so beneficial and helpful to us spiritually. I, I cannot stress that enough, but let's look at the word that's used in James 1, 3, all right? James 1, 3. And remember, we did this on Sunday. We did this on Sunday. We did this on Sunday. Let me, let me, I'm opening up the Blue Letter Bible app. Remember, I always tell everyone to download the Blue Letter Bible app. And the reason I do it this way is because um, a lot of people will say, well, why do you pull up the Blue, like, just tell me what the word means. No, that's, I want you looking it up with me, all right? So I've got the Blue Letter Bible app. I'm in James 1. Here's verse 3, um, or verse 2. I, I kept saying James 1, 3. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I'm going to look up the interlinear. Temptations is this Greek word. Remember, we talked about this on Sunday. All right, here we go. 
Strong's G, 3986, Pyrasmas. 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 And Pyrasmas, remember that, we, that we've found three aspects to Pyrasmas. All right? Three aspects to it. First, it's an experiment, an attempt, trial, proving. So we can say that temptation, pyrosmos, means a testing. It tests something, right? All right. Second, it's a trial. So it's a test. It's a trial. All right. Next, it's an enticement to sin. Pyrosmos. So when we t- speak of temptation, there's three aspects to it. There's the enticement to sin. There is the trial, right? And guess what? All of that test. For example, what does it test? Well, what it tests what's going on inside. It tests my desires, my motivations. It tests my wants and it tests what I'm going to do. A trial tests my attitude. It tests my faith. It tests my perseverance. It tests whether, oh, this horrible thing goes wrong. Do I, do I lose? Come, I'll just give you an example. I'll give you an example. So a temptation, and, 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 and I think a temptation involves, pyros moss involves all three concepts, testing, trial, enticement to sin. All three are there. All right. And guess what? The tests or I'm sorry, the trial and the enticement of sin test to demonstrate it, my feelings, emotions, and actions and in what way are they acting, feeling, thinking, and moving in a way that is contrary to God's word? That's a temptation. The temptation works to test, to reveal in what ways in thought, feeling, action, that I, that I, or a temptation reveals in what ways I'm moving, feeling, thinking, and acting in a way contrary to God's word. Temptation reveals that. Temptation is an enticement to act contrary to it, but temptation is also a revealing thing about my actions, feelings, and emotions. So, so let's go with a trial. A trial comes along. A trial now, can't, now, a trial can be an enticement to act in an evil way. I want to make sure you understand that a trial can be an enticement to evil. Everything goes bad and then you are enticed to, to maybe become angry, to become bitter, to become, to act in a way completely contrary to what you're supposed to do. My first major trial hit me as a Christian. My first major trial, I was not a Christian very long when I, you know, wasn't, I was, I was a teenager, high school, get called to the principal's office and, you know, my mother died unexpectedly. Nobody knew it. What, 39 years of age, she's gone. Boom. My mom's gone. Gone. Now I had, before she was declared dead, I had about 24 hours to fast and pray and I begged and pleaded God. So here I am, a brand new Christian. I'm like, okay, now I was doing all these bad things. My mom was very much alive. Now, now I become a Christian. I'm pleading with God and I've been told if you pray, you know, God will answer and my mom died. And so then I was like, here now, now this trial was beginning an enticement to sin because I became bitter. I became frustrated. I didn't understand. I was angry. I, there was so many issues and guess, well, I didn't handle everything in a correct way, did I? No, 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 no. Everybody remembers me with a gun pointing at my head, going to kill myself. I did say, God, forgive me for what I'm about to do, of course, someone walked in, stopped my suicide, ended up in a psychiatric hospital for seven to eight weeks. I think it was eight weeks of my life. And it was, it was a crazy time. So that trial became an enticement to Eve. So, so there's a, see the, the, the trial revealed that my faith wasn't that strong at that moment in time. That my, that, that I had lots of resentment and bitterness because of all the things that happened to me growing up. I could go on and on and on and on. So I should count it all joy because the temptation, temptation, it's a trial and, and it's an enticement to evil. Both are aspects and a test. So the, the, all three are a part of it. All three, uh, all three aspects. See, we want to separate trial from temptation, but it, pyrosmos, it's the same Greek word. So whatever happens serves as a, a trial, 
which can be can, can, it's it, which is a test which can be an enticement to evil. Now, if I that trial and see what a lot of people say, well, see, trial is not a temptation. If we handle it correctly, and if we handle it correctly, then we should count it all joy. We should count it all joy no matter how we handle it. And there's always going to be an aspect in every trial as an enticement to evil because we are challenged or possibly tempted to act in a way contrary to what we are supposed to, either in our thinking or in our feelings or in our desires or in our actions. So pyrosmos, I want you to make sure we understand the trial can be an enticement to evil. Sometimes a trial is not involved and it's just a pure enticement to evil. That pure enticement to evil or wrong still serves as a test. So both the trial and the enticement of evil is a test, pyros mas. And that test is to reveal something. Some people see the test as simply there to, that you, it's pass or fail. But the test is to reveal your thinking, especially in Pyros Moss, in this particular case, it's there to test, to reveal to you what you're really thinking, what you're really desiring, what you're really feeling, what how you're really acting. The test is to reveal something. You count it all joy because it's revealing something. So in our definition, what we need to realize is that temptation, temptation is an enticement to evil and a pot. How can we say this? So I, I don't want to give it away too much. I want you to go back and listen to what we did in part one, but we, we need to get, we need to make sure that all three aspects are there. That temptation can be an enticement to evil or a trial that tests and reveals in what ways we are thinking, feeling, desiring, and acting in a way contrary to God's word. It's an entire, we could say it this way. It's that temptation, right? Pyrosmos is a trial, listen, is a trial and an enticement to evil to act, think, desire, and, and, and uh, to, to think, act, or to think, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. And it is a test revealing in what ways we are not thinking, feeling, desiring, and acting according to God's word. It's an enticement not to, but it's a test revealing in what ways we're not. Both are there. The trial and the trial and the enticement to evil. That's temptation. They, we are the trial and enticement are evil. Temptation is a trial and an enticement evil to get us to think, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. It is also a test revealing how we are in thought. We could say word, feeling, desire, and action not in a way that's contrary to God's word. It's the test. Temptation is a test. I'm sorry. Temptation is a trial and an enticement in evil to get us to act contrary to God's word in the following ways, in our thinking and our speaking and our feelings and our desire and our actions. Both the trial and the enticement to evil, both are there. All right to get us to act contrary to God's word in thought, word, desire, feeling, and action. It's also a test to reveal to us in what ways and, and what uh, to reveal to us in our thinking and our speaking and our feeling and our desiring and acting, how we are not responding in a way that's contrary, that in a way that is how we are reacting, how we are doing these things in a way contrary to God's word. So there's both aspects to it. We've got the trial. We got the, the enticement to evil. They're both temptations. The trial and the enticement to evil is an attempt to get us to think, speak, desire, feel, and act in a way contrary to God's word. It's also a test 
revealing to us how we don't think, speak, act, feel in a way that is consistent with God's word. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Now, see, I keep, I keep throwing out these ideas. Now, I've expanded now our, 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 our possible definition. I've expanded it way beyond what we did on Sunday. On Sunday, I kept focusing on the trial and the enticement to evil. Now I've added the testing part to it. So we have really two aspects to our definition. The trial and the enticement of evil is an attempt to get us to think, speak, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. We got that. That's good. That's pyrosmos right there. That's, that's temptation. Temptation is a trial and an enticement to evil to get us to think, speak, desire, feel, and act in a way contrary to God's word. We've got that down. It is also, that then, but then we need the second part. It is also a test to reveal to us in what ways we don't think, speak, desire, feel, and act in a way that is consistent with God's word. Now, now I've really fleshed it out. Now we're really fleshing it out. And I'm doing this on purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth because that's the way we do the Bible study exercise. I'm trying to get you to participate in this. So I want you, and, and see why we can count that all joy? I, 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 I use this illustration on Sunday. When you take a test, I got a piece of, and the teacher brings it back, and you've got a 10 on it or a 20 or a 30 or an F for whatever it is. I know in our culture, I know in, 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 in the public school system, uh, it, it's all about performance and winning and getting the grade. Nobody really cares about the learning. It's just get the grade so that you can move on or you can get an award or you can be recognized. It's all about a performance. It's almost like you're, you're winning a game. But the reality is you should count it all joy when you get that F because it reveals to you In what ways you don't understand the subject, and now you have the opportunity to work on it. But you know it's not counted all joy. You come home and tell the parents you get an F, you get grounded. Nobody's like, hey, 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 count it all joy. Don't be upset. Now you know what you need to work on. Now you know how you don't understand the subject. So now that should humble you. Let's get to work. Let's count this all joy. When I, when, when, even in the church, we don't do it that way. Someone faces a trial, quote, temptation, right? Remember, pyros, mas, it's both, right? Whether it's a trial or an enticement to evil, because a trial can be an enticement to evil, whatever the case may be, and you, and the person fails, the person falls on their face. We're like immediately like, oh, we've, this is a scandal. Let's, let's publish it all over social media. Let's tell everyone how much a piece of garbage that pastor was. How about we go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's sad. No, we're not excusing it. But hey, it's been, guess what? He should count it all joy. We should count it all joy. Because now we know, man, he's, he's, he's got some serious issues here. And then we can come along, battlefield medic, we need a medic. And then we run up there and we bandage them up and we help them. Pyros Moss is a trial and an enticement of evil that attempts to get us to think, speak, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. But Pyros Moss, temptation, is also a test which reveals to us in what ways in our thinking and our speaking and our desiring, feeling, and acting, are we acting in a way that is not consistent to God's word? And what ways we're not acting in a way, or we're acting in ways that is contrary to God's word? However you want to wear it. I know I've, I've worded it a little different, but I'm, I'm trying to, to get you, I want to, I'm trying to get you to do it. So what I want someone to do is like, for crying out loud, it's this, and just send it to me. There, That's what I want, Okay trying to provoke you to, to, to act. All right. I, I, I know we spent 34 minutes on this, but I really want us, I think I want us to see temptation in a different way. Yes, the trial and the enticement to evil is trying to get us to act, think, speak, feel, desire, 
in a way contrary to God's word. But it's also a test to reveal to us in what ways we're not doing these things consistently with God's word. We're doing these things in a way that is contrary to God's word. It's revealing something. And there I can count it all joy. Because I see, I, it's, 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 look, the most important thing sometimes I think as a Christian is to never forget what we really are. We do so much pretending that we're not still a sinner. We do so much trying to pretend that in practice, we're a new creature. The old is gone and all is new, but everyone knows that's not true practically because we still have a sin nature. So obviously the old is not gone and, and all things are not become new. That's true of us positionally, but not practically. We do so much trying to pretend that we can do this and do, instead of just acknowledging what we are, temptation, trial, thank God for it because it can help me go, man, stop pretending. Stop pretend. So much of Christianity is basically like a teenager in high school pretending to be something they're not in order to fit in with the group. We need a Christianity that we don't pretend to fit in with the group. We can all admit we're all messed up. <laughs> all right. So today I want you to work. I want to, I want us to do more work on that definition. I really, 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 really do. I want us to be, I want us to, to get this definition down. All right, here's the second thing I want you to work on. And I'm not going to do a lot of help here. All right, so my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. All right, now, jump down to verse 13. Here we go. You ready? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth, tempteth he any man. So when you're tempted, do not say, I am tempted of God. Now, I am curious. I am curious. Hang on. Okay, th this seems to have all of the same. It's a different Greek word here, tempted, right? Uh, it is this Greek word, but it has all the basic concepts. Strong's G, 3985, pyrazo, pyrazo. Uh, pyrazo. Now, just note, pyrazo, it has all the same basic elements. The trial, the enticement to evil, and the testing. It has the basic elements. So when, when you're going through these things that we've already talked about, don't say that you are tempted by God. All right. That let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now this one's a little, this one's a little difficult, right? This, th th to me, this, this presents some challenges. Well, wait a minute. If temptation also includes a trial, isn't God the one who allows the trial? Isn't God the one who decreed the trial? Now you say, well, God doesn't mean for the trial to be a temptation, but every trial is a temptation. Right? I mean, every trial, everything that happens in my life, don't we believe God, God is at least sovereignly allowing it, if not sovereignly decreeing it? So then does this mean we, we, that we take this temptation in James 1.13, let no man say, say when he is tempted, that that's different than my brethren count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations? You look at the two Greek words, they're, they're very, they're, the same elements are present in both. So if God is not involved, what do we do? Now, hang on. Also, also, if you look, hang on, if you look, I just thought of this. So we got a couple of questions here with this one that I don't know if we're going to have easy answers for. I don't know if we're going to have, I don't think we're going to have easy answers here. Um. Yeah, I think it's Matthew 6. All right. 
Matthew 6, am I correct? Uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father who, uh, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Now, let me look here. Let's go to Matthew. That's Matthew, I believe, 613, Blue Letter Bible app. Let me look here. Let me look here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. What do you think? Think it's the same Greek word? What Greek word do you think? Ah, guess what? Same Greek word. Here we go. Strong's G, 3986, Pyrasmas. 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 So, now wait a minute here. So, we got to figure this out. Matthew 6, 13 we are to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Pyrosmos. That would mean trial, enticement to evil that serves as a test. But we're told to count it all joy when it happens. So is God, so do I, I, Lord, don't lead me into that which I am to count for all joy. Or am I to say, Lord, don't lead me into temptation, but when I face it, I need to count it all joy. And then James says, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. All right, so why am I praying, Lord, don't lead me into temptation if God doesn't tempt? And if God tempts, or, but, but when I, so Lord, I pray, don't lead me. James tells me he's not going to tempt me. So I don't know why I've got to pray for him not to lead me if he's not going to do it. So how do we reconcile that? And if God is the one not tempting, then how do I understand? I'm counting it all joy because of all the benefits that come from it. So I'm to pray, don't lead me into it. But yet if I do find myself in it, I count it all joy. But if I count it all joy and it has all of these wonderful benefits, why wouldn't I want it to happen? So, so I'm conflicted there. And then not only that, God is supposedly the one not involved in it. Well, if God's not the one involved in it, we can understand it maybe as it relates to an enticement to evil. But Pyrosmos involves all three things, the trial, the, the enticement, and the testing. Well, we, we have to believe God is involved in the trial aspect, right? He works all things according to his good pleasure and will. So if God is involved in the trial, trials are clearly an enticement to evil. There's no way to get around that they're not. Whenever you face a trial, you are being challenged. You are being possibly enticed to to think, speak, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. And it's going to test to reveal if you if if you are thinking, feeling, desiring, or acting in a way that's not consistent with God's word. How do we understand God's involvement with temptation? If Pyrosmos also includes the trial part. How do we understand this? I really want you to spend some serious time today and this week really struggling with this concept. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Well, don't worry about it. He's not going to tempt you. Well, wait a minute. Count it all joy. Well, wait a minute. Pyrus Moss includes trial. God's not involved in the trial? This almost leads to God just not involved in any of the aspects of anything. But that is contrary to other parts of Scripture. Are you saying Job wasn't did not face trial. God was clearly involved. You say, well, God was involved, but Satan carried it out. Yeah, but are we not playing semantics there? God set the whole thing up. God even controlled how much could or couldn't happen. How do we understand this? Now, if we, if you just grab, I'm just going to look here really quick. That's James 1.13. I'm just going to look here. What happens? Okay, I'm going to put 
I'm just going to, I'm just putting a question. Does God tempt us to sin? All right. Um, uh, hang on, hang on. All right. Now see this. Now, okay. Let me just give you how, how confusing this all gets. All right. Moving the microphone a little bit. All right. Here we go. Here's an article. Uh, James 1.13 gives a guiding principle. No one has the right to say that he is being tempted of God. The word of is essential to our understanding this statement because it indicates the origin of something. Temptations to sin do not originate with God. James concludes God cannot be tempted with evil and God does not tempt anyone to sin. Another important word in this discussion is found in James 1.3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The Greek word translated trials denotes trouble or something that breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, joy, and happiness in someone's life. The verb form of this word means to put someone or something to test. With the purpose of discovering that person's nature or a thing's quality, God brings such tests to prove and increase the strength of one's faith. Uh, one's faith. Uh, when we face temptation, so so immediately they they try to say, "Hey, count it all joy when you face trials." They don't want to put the the, the pyros mas. That's pyros mas. They they ignore the enticement to sin part of pyros mas, and they're saying, "No, no, God brings trials, but He doesn't tempt." But every trial is a temptation. There's no way to say that it isn't. There, 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 there isn't. You come home Friday after work and you open the door and some member of your family has been kidnapped or murdered. Don't tell me that you're not going to face trials of bitterness, anger, confusion, doubt, worry, who knows total destruction of your entire life that trial is an enticement to evil it's going to get you it's going to it's going to entice you to act think well is god in control if god is the one who brings the trials they admit that he brings the trials but they want to say see see the trial is different than enticement to evil but the trial is an enticement to evil in some way shape or form they say no 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 it's just a test but the trial is going to confront you with things that's going to tempt you to act in a way contrary. You say, no, 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 God's not that. So maybe we could say this. How do we get God? The question is, how do we get God's, in a sense, off the hook here? How do we, how do we remove God from it? Because James says God's not the one involved in it. I'm tr- I don't know if this works. Right. Remember, we do Bible study exercises here in a, a completely different way. Right. We, I'm not afraid to dive into these questions. Right. Now look, look at the typical Bible study would just give you like two or three points and you just move on. I'm like, well, we covered James. We, we, we covered James one this week. Uh, wouldn't that a beautiful study? Everybody's like, yeah. And we ignore these very difficult realities. I don't know if this works. I'm going to throw out a hypothesis, a theory, because, you know, I love to do that. Does this work? God brings in the trial. God obviously allows temptations to come into our life. He allows enticement of evil to come into our life. Clearly, he doesn't stop it, right? I mean, I mean, sometimes he may stop it, sometimes he may not. But I mean, clearly, I mean, he could have done a million things to keep David from seeing walking out on that roof and seeing a woman bathing. He could have he could have prevented that in some way, shape, or form. He does not. All right. So let's think about this. God brings the trial. God allows the enticement to evil to occur. God is not responsible because the temptation is not coming directly from God. The temptation itself is originating inside of us. In other words, think of it this way, right? So I don't, I'm trying to find a way to illustrate this. Here comes the trial. Boom. Here comes the enticement to evil. I don't know how to give a sound effect for that. Hey, come over here, right? So it's either boom, hey, come over here. Like which whichever way you look at it, those things happen. They come into our life. God's sovereign. All things works according to his goodwill, his good pleasure. God allows those things to happen. 
But God is not the one doing the tempting. He's he's allowing the things to come in to do the tempting, to do the tempting, to create. He's allowing these things to come in that which creates temptation. But the only reason it creates temptation is because of the nature inside of us. So really, the source of the temptation is not even the thing. It's not even like I'm holding a bottle of water. It's not even the object. It's not the thing. It's not the, hey, come over here. It's not the trial. It's not the, it's, it's, no, the issue is in me. In other words, the, the source of temptation, we, fo- we focus the source of temptation as whatever is causing the temptation. Man, I'm tempted by pornography. So we say pornography is the source of temptation, but maybe the reality, it's not porn that's the source of temptation. It's me. I'm being tempted by me because of my desire for it. I desire for physical satisfaction, maybe in a way contrary to the way I'm supposed to, that the real issue is me. Is the issue, is the source of temptation the thing or is the source of temptation the the sinful nature that that is inside of us? Therefore, then God is not, if God brings the trial, he's not doing the tempting. What's doing the tempting is me and how I respond to the trial. If God allows these things to come into my life, it's not those things that are causing the temptation. It's the nature inside of me that causes the temptation. Does that get God off the hook? Now, ultimately, I mean, I've said it a million times, no matter how much we want to get God off the hook, he's the one who created everything, knowing all of this was going to happen. God obviously did not remove our sinful nature after, after salvation. How do you reconcile? Hey, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Wait a minute. God doesn't tempt. Wait a minute. Count it all joy. Wait a minute. Pyrosmos includes trials. Doesn't God bring trials into our life? Well, that article tries to say, well, yeah, he brings trials, but, 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 but that's, that's meant for your good. So that's not an enticement to evil. And then enticement to evil, he has no part of. But I think Pyrosmos includes both the trial and the enticement to evil because the trial works in the exact same way. I mean, think about it. To me, let, let's just use pornography. Pornography is like, hey, hey, it's one o'clock in the morning. Hey, 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 come on. You know you want to satisfy that desire. Come on. Come on, come on, come over here. Come on, come on. Watch that. Click on that. Come on, come on, come on. Right? That, that's one kind of, tempt- that's an enticement to evil. But at the same time, a trial is like, Boom! It punches you in the face. I was like, come on, come on. How are you going to respond now? Come on, come on. Your house just burned down. Hey, hey, you just were diagnosed with cancer. Come on, come on. You're still going to love God? Come on. You're still going to serve God? Hey, you're not bitter a little bit? Hey, you're not upset? Hey, that person over there, they burned your house down. Are, you don't want to seek revenge? You're not angry? You're not mad? Are you going to forgive them? To me, it works just in a similar way. It's just different. One is more seductive and pleasing, and the other one, well, is more painful and abrupt, but I mean, both are serve in the same way. I don't know how, I don't know how you can write an article saying, no, 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 Pyrus Moss, that, that's just the trial part. See, God does bring the trial, but that's not a temptation. No, Pyrus Moss includes all three, trial, enticement, test. The trial serves just as much as an enticement of evil as an enticement of evil. Both of them challenge us, right? Both of them entice us to, in our thinking and our speaking and our desire, feeling and acting to act in a way contrary to God's word, meaning that pyros must, is all a temptation. However, they also serve as a test to reveal to us and and thought, word, feeling, desire, and action, how we are not uh, responding in a way consistent with God's word. It's, it's, it's the, it's the thing trying to get us to do it wrong, but it's also the thing revealing in what ways we're doing it wrong. I don't know how you step. I don't know how you break this. Well, that's trial there. That's enticement to evil there. See, count it all joy when you face diverse temptations. Oh no, that's just trials. That has nothing to do with enticement to evil, but a trial is an enticement to evil. 
But God doesn't tempt. I mean, God never entices to evil. But if a trial can entice to evil, then God is. I, I, I think the only way to try to get around it is that the real enticement is not the external thing. It's the internal desire. Now, the London Baptist Confession and others will argue God uses secondary causes, secondary means. So, like, God wasn't the source of temptation to Eve. Satan was. Now, I I know to me that's playing such a a little game. God is the one who created Satan. God is the one who let him come into the garden using the snake. God could have stopped that just like that. But he didn't. So, how can you say God is not responsible? Well, he wasn't directly responsible. Now, for Eve, it's even more complicated because she doesn't have a sinful nature. So, the source of temptation was the external thing that God created and told them they couldn't have. I want you to really dig into this this week. I, I, I think somehow, I can't, I can't explain how it works for Eve, but everyone after Eve, the source of the temptation is inside the external thing has no power. I want to, I'll give you an example. All right, I'll give you an example. How can I do, I'll try to do this in a way that will make the most sense. All right, I'll try, I'll try, and I just got to be blunt. All right, so let's say pornography that, that has a beautiful woman in it, right? Beautiful woman. That could be tempting to me because of my internal desire and finding pleasure in a beautiful woman and finding pleasure in sexual satisf- satisf- satisfaction or gratification, right? That, that, that can be tempting to me, right? Beautiful woman, physical pleasure, private, right, right, whatever the case may be. Okay, there may be something there that could be enticing. A homosexual relationship is not enticing in any way, shape, or form. Now, it could be, it could be a, a homosexual come up to me and try to entice me into a relationship. There is nothing enticing about it. It has no impact on me. There's no temptation there. There's none. There's none at all. There's just none. It's none. None. Not at all. So, someone offering me alcohol. No, no temptation. None. None. No, no desire. None. Because there's not, because my sinful nature in those areas, there's no, my sinful nature is not drawn to that. So whatever the case may be, it doesn't have an impact on me. So there wouldn't be God tempting me, right? So in other words, God is off the hook. Even if he allows these things to come into my life, the source of the temptation is not the external thing that came into my life. It's my internal sinful nature. If God brings a trial into my life, that trial, yes, is going to create problems and pain. My reaction to it, the source of the temptation isn't the trial. It's my reaction to it. That's the only way I can understand it. And I'm not saying that works. Please listen to me. I am not saying this works. I am not being dogmatic. I'm putting forth a theological, biblical, interpretive hypothesis trying to get you this week to work with me. So here's your two assignments. We need a our definition that includes both part, all three parts, trial, enticement, and test. Temptation is a trial and enticement to evil to get us to think, speak, feel, desire, and act in a way contrary to God's word. It also is a test to reveal to us in what ways... We are not thinking, speaking, feeling, desiring, and acting in a way that is consistent with God's word. That That is a as close as I'm going to give you to a dogmatic definition until you work through that, making sure it's grammatically correct and uh, punctuating it correctly, and then tell me if you agree or disagree with it. Then I want you to just struggle this week with, wait a minute, Matthew 6 says, God's not going to, that I need to pray for God not to lead me into temptation. However, James tells me he doesn't tempt me. However, I'm to count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptations. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. 
would love to get your thoughts on all of this. Should be an interesting, interesting conversation. All right? Remember, the Bible study, that the really key aspects is sometimes I think the discussion is more important than anything else. I really do. All right, so email me. Let's fill up that email inbox with your thoughts and struggles with it. What do you think? What do you think? All right. That's my Bible right here, if you keep hearing that. I have a tendency to have it, especially when it's something like this and I'm trying to think it out. I either grab my Bible. Typically, I've got a pencil in my hand, so I did have that for the longest. I do this. Yeah, or I do this. And I always forget all the sounds that pick up, the microphone picks up. But yeah, I, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really trying to process all of this. But I love to get your thoughts on all of it. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. It's Tuesday. Bible study week will be over before we know it. Let's make the most of this. Let's see if we can really come to some firm, solid, biblical conclusions. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. Please enjoy your time studying God's word. Make it a positive thing, not something that feels like a burden. All right. Everyone have a great day. God bless.